Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the January episode of the Delicious Podcast with me, Jilly Smith. This month, Jamie Oliver squares up to talk food fights for the new year with Fishbelly, his latest battle. Dawn French tells us about the food behind her new Sky One series, Delicious, and we meet social media star Clark Wellboy. Plus, River Cottage's Stephen Lamb talks about his new book, Cheese and Dairy, and we visit Trenchmoor Farm in East Sussex to find out what chefs look for from their high welfare meat. But first, Delicious editor Karen Barnes is celebrating after being crowned British Society of Magazine Editors Food and Drink Editor of the Year only a few months after the magazine won the coveted Guild of Food Writers Magazine of the Year. I asked her what it all means. The magazine has so much hit its stride in terms of the balance of content and we have features and uh, as well as recipes. Everybody needs wonderful recipe inspiration but that we've got hard-hitting features and news stories and glimpses behind the scenes of food and that is what the judges yeah. picked up on, which that's I loved. Amazing, and that means a really good read. And, and, and you know, it is a time that's difficult for magazines, and yet people are reading the magazine because there's something worthwhile in it. I feel like a bit of a lone voice, but I really believe in the future of magazines. I think if you invest in them and create a really strong product that people want to sit down and enjoy and read at home, on the train, wherever they are then the magazine will do well. And we are evidence that you can create a successful magazine if you really invest in it properly. Yeah. And one of the things you do is you champion people. And one of those talents is Gil Miller, who's in the January issue. Yes, I mean, Gil, he... He's from River Cottage and uh, he had a very successful book published last year. So I wouldn't say that we discovered Gil, um, but he is beginning a new series for us in January, heroing um, an ingredient each month, a cook's year. He lives in the country. He's going to be talking about how to make the best of ingredients like crab, which is the first one. I think February is venison. And uh, it's that's an exciting moment for us. Yes. And of course, so we've got more from River Cottage. I was down there with Stephen Lamb, who is uh, second second in command with with Gil to Hugh Fanny Whittingstock. What else is in the mag? I would say the underlying theme of the magazine is please don't beat yourself up just because it's January and you feel like you've got to give everything up and be unhappy. Uh, We want to still be celebrating the good things in life and while recognising that most of us, you you might have done quite a lot of feasting, so you you want slightly different food, you want energy-boosting food, slightly healthier food, but at the same time, it's not all about denial and wearing a hair shirt. There's still glorious cheese-on-toast recipes and our real um, highlight feature... Uh, is a collector's edition, uh, an extra 16 pages with 10 recipes, all vegetarian 
for me the focus is on eating less meat and making sure the meat you do eat is from a great source Mm -hmm. and has been responsibly produced I would say a lot of people I know now are accidentally vegetarian or accidentally vegan two or three maybe five nights a week Mm. certainly I probably eat red meat maybe only three times a month for me it's a treat Um, so I consciously eat vegetarian food because I love it Mm. and I also think it's good for the for the planet and these recipes celebrate that so they're for everybody they're not just for vegetarians yeah. like a, a butternut squash stuffed with pesto rice and uh, a risotto that has a whole roasted cabbage and brussels sprouts in it and uh, cauliflower tart that's all cheesy and gooey wonderful things amazing now dawn french is back on the box this week with the second series of the food drama brilliantly titled delicious I watched the first episode with her and food stylist Lisa Heathcote and caught up with them afterwards to ask what happened to all that fabulous food on the table. It is remarkable. Um, I am an eater. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Um, And I'm a slurper on the side. And when Lisa delivers the food to the table, was it called Annaletti, that stuff that we had there? Yes, yes, yes. yes. From the minute it arrived on the table, I couldn't think about anything else. And I was thinking, how fortunate are we that we can just shovel this all the way through <laughs> this scene? And of course, it, you know, it's Lisa's job to make sure that we've always got backup. So you can eat as much as yeah. you like. I, I made a lot of those. I made, I think, I, in fact, in the initial meeting, we thought we'd do 10. Yes. Uh, which sort of didn't quite make it on the journey there. So um, I was frantically hoping you'd eat slowly and that there'd be sort of technical hitches. Because then you, what you didn't know is behind, I was, I made about 25. Did you? Yeah. And I just kept slamming them in the, in the oven. And actually, they're very forgiving. I learnt that there is a really good dinner party food because it's um, yes. make it ahead, stuck it in the oven. It's and a sort of pasta pie. Yes, it is. It? Exactly that. that Would I be able to make that That one? is moving towards your corned beef pasta. In fact, oh, is it's it? dangerously close to your corned beef pasta. Corned beef pasta is your signature dish. Uh, yeah, but only oh, for myself, to really? be honest. You know, I've had so many people turn it down in my house okay. uh, that I've learnt that it's only when I'm going to be on my own of an evening so it's rare but that's what I would turn to yeah that or a pasty so so let's pull back let's pull back just a little bit so Delicious is really it's about you and Amelia Fox playing the other woman and the two of you have such fun running this restaurant in gorgeous Cornwall yeah it's a drama through the lens of food isn't it it is um you know our dead husband my ex-husband was played by Ian Glenn played by Ian the delicious Ian Glenn um uh was a famous chef uh, but he was only a famous chef because he married me and I'm <laughs> of Sicilian stock and I learnt how to cook, uh, but my character, uh, learnt how to cook from her father, her mother, her grandparents and it's in her blood. And so she showed him her kind of artisan family recipes that he ponced up um, and uh, took through to books and whatever and eventually to the Penrose Hotel. Um, and so he, you know, although he is the chef with all the, the plaudits, I am the heart of the food, if you like. And there's a sense that he always loved you best. Well, yes. Um, I'm glad to see you're in the Gina camp. Um, uh, yes. she uh, Gina is a sensual person. You know, the palette of Gina is reds and blacks and Italian and olives. And, you know, it's, it's all of that. And so um, and that is what... Um, 
uh, uh, Leo is drawn to. He's drawn to the sensuality of Gina. You didn't feel your character until Lisa started cooking. Yes, I had. there was a missing piece of the jigsaw for me. I, I knew what her attitude was. I knew what her background was. I didn't know the physicality of her because I don't cook so well myself. I'm a nervous uh, uh, cook because I went to boarding school and so I wasn't really a, in a kitchen very much. Mm. I didn't get to see my mum cook very much. And my mum was very plain, no seasoning, very British kind of pasties and potatoes kind of cook. And so we didn't even have salad in my household until I was in my 20s. And even that was a, 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 a lettuce leaf, but piled high with yes. cheese, beetroot. And some salad cream? Yes, salad, salad, salad cream, cream, which I still <laughs> love, still love. <laughs> well, yes, um, in a sandwich. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, d- I wasn't sure really about Gina. I knew there was something missing. And then I went and learnt a little bit with Lisa. And as, as I watched Lisa moving around, I thought, oh, look, look at her hands. Look how she's, her fingers are in everything. She's unafraid mm. of the food. Mm. She's easy with it. It's just completely in her nature. Mm. And I'm going to steal that. Mm. I'm not sure that you could actually have this kind of TV series if people weren't so food literate. Yeah, well, that's something that's really moved on since I started doing this job, which is quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, because people become interested in food because the whole movement of food is we can now get all these amazing ingredients Mm. and people started to read about it and there's more all these cookery programs on television etc so it so when food's in a drama you can no longer just have it as a bit of plaster of you know plaster of paris cake or plastic grapes but But we have you know in this show we have weddings for instance and at the weddings there's one particular Mm -hmm. wedding uh, which can't reveal too much about and it was like a cornucopia of it was it was bacchanalian the whole thing oh, uh, you know you, and it yeah. just kept coming out and out beautiful dishes beautiful thing it was just it was just so so colorful and you know you're already salivating when you see it and and it's an eye feast which and is that what is it was yes that was the whole point yeah. well, so. we, one of the really positive things about this show about delicious is that we see the food it's not just yes, something bubbling yes. away yeah, in the yeah. corner. It's a real character. You yeah. see it. Yeah. Huge yeah. close-ups of yeah. everything all yeah. the time. So, you yeah. know, that that's a big yes. plus. Great. It's Which a wonderful fun. watch. Thank you very Thank much you. indeed. Thank very you. welcome. Thank you. Delicious is on Sky One from Friday the 25th of December at 9pm. And you can hear much more from Dawn and Lisa next week in Extra Portion on how playing that chef has stirred up some deep emotions for Dawn about food. Coming up, Stephen Lamb from River Cottage on making your own cheese and Jamie Oliver on his next food fights. But first, we're off to Trenchmoor Farm in East Sussex to meet farmer Joanna Knowles, who tells me what chefs are looking for in their meat. In the bleak midwinter, I asked her why her cows were not grazing on pasture, but tucking into feed in her brand new cattle enclosure. What our chefs told us they wanted was consistency. And the way to achieve that is to um, have a a finishing ration, so that's their their diet for the last three months, that is the same throughout the year and is a high energy so that we ensure that the the beef is well marbled and delicious and it also gives us a chance to to look at the animals and check that they're in uh, peak health before Mm. they go to slaughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other side of it is that we are on heavy wilden clay and we, if the animals were out all winter, we would end up with porridge. What ruminants do is they give off a lot of heat over winter. So they don't mind the cold, but they don't like the wet. So this creates a chimney-like effect. It's a, if you can imagine, a tented dome 
with a, a chimney in the, uh, an open chimney in the centre, and then it's it's visible all the way around. Mm. Um, and we have a handling system in the middle, so that if we need to weigh a, a, one of the animals or to uh, trim their hooves or to to um, tag them, we can take them into the middle and handle them safely. Uh, both for the cattle and and for the people working here. Mm. The other thing that's interesting is that the calves are with the mums. Yes, no, they stay with their mums for uh, about eight months and then they're weaned before the mums go on to, to calve again. That's a suckler herd, that's the best way to produce delicious beef. Now, we talk a lot about sentient beings. Yes. Um, the sadness of the, of the mother and the calf being separated. How, how does that work in, on, a, on a real working farm? Well, weaning is a very stressful time for calves and we do everything we can to minimise the stress in that. So one of the things, well, we wean differently depending on the time of year and where the animals are. So for the um, housed weaning, we will have a small pen which will become a sort of teenage hangout zone where there'll be better feed for the, the young stock. And so they will congregate there, they will spend more time there, they will eat more of the better feed, they will be less reliant on, on the cow's milk. Um, the cows will go on to a less, nutri- less dense diet so that their milk will start to dry out so they won't be stressed by the reduction in call from the calves. And then once the, the calves are uh, eating well and we're happy with how they're doing, then we would use tags, uh, which are a, a quiet wean paddle that goes into their nose, which means they can spend time with their with their mums but not suckle. Mm-hmm. So, and then we will close the gate and they'll be next door but not together. Now, we first met social media superstar, socially conscious food influencer and delicious produce awards judge Clerkenwell Boy back in the autumn. Here, he fills out the delicious magazine Slice of My Life questionnaire Style. So I grew up in Australia, grew up in a restaurant family, and, um, and every Wednesday uh, my parents and I and my sister would go out and we'd try a new restaurant. It didn't matter what cuisine it was, it was just kind of seeing what was out there. So um, it could be Italian, it could be French, it could be um, Asian, but, um, but that was kind of my, my um, early influence, if you like, of eating out, understanding service, um, understanding you know, um, seasonality. And, um, and just delicious food, really. And did you cook yourself? Or? Yeah, I love cooking. I love cooking, especially pasta. Do you actually grow anything yourself? So we have um, a, a small balcony um, in central London. So we do grow our own little tomatoes, cherry tomatoes. And um, we did have some strawberries in the summer. And, um, and we do have a passion fruit plant, but it's not doing very well. Life-changing revelation. Moving to London um, has been pretty life-changing. Um, so I, I love traveling, but um, living in London, being able to travel to Paris in two hours, being able to um, jump on a plane and be in Morocco, and just understand lots of different cultures from um, and the history of, of Europe is, is pretty amazing. Your greatest inspiration? Um, greatest inspiration has to be, you know, family. Um, you know, growing up in a foodie family, they're my inspiration in terms of being generous, being hospitable, feeding people, and, um, and you know, being super positive with food as well. What do you cook for yourself when you're at home on a... When are you ever at home? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually at home quite a lot. I, I do go out, but I do also, as I mentioned, love cooking. And um, I had a cook, cook for my other half, and she loves pasta as well. So, um, so we make a lot of freshly made pasta. I love the Trullo cookbook, and we made that famous peachy from Padello as well. 
and um, yeah, lots of lots of we've got lots of recipe books where we're spoiled with lots of recipe books. Um, so it could be anything from a Jamie or a Nigella recipe to obviously Yotam and Hemsley's. So really, just um, I mean the Saint John cookbook as well. So lots of different recipes. Um, we love we love cooking. And pasta maker? Oh, oh definitely um, a, a good old fashioned pasta machine. The one that you know, good old elbow grease. Um, but with, for example, with peachy, uh, you can just roll it out, and you don't even need to have any equipment really. Um, downtime. You sound like you've got some downtime. It sounds like you're just going to tell me that you cook in your downtime. Uh, <laughs> uh, downtime. I'm always on the go, so um, I don't really get that much downtime. But usually Fridays and Saturdays are my sort of me days uh, where I try to chill out and just think about upcoming projects and there's lots of um, there's always something to do so there's the charity element there's the going out element there's travel um, but a lot of it involves a lot of planning but also it's important to have that time to meditate or just you know be be happy with your own self so I think that's really important as well and, and cooking definitely helps with that Next, we're off to River Cottage to meet Hugh Fernie Whittingstall's deputy, Stephen Lamb, and hear why his latest book, Cheese and Dairy, River Cottage Handbook Number 16, is all about taking cheese making back into your own hands. We're so close to Somerset, and there's some brilliant, brilliant people doing some amazing things with dairy. And so, the book is really a celebration of those people about the high-end welfare. I talked a little bit about the ethics of dairy. You've got to. I don't think you can escape it. I mean, You 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 put that right up in the introduction, and that's very powerful, actually, because people are asking those questions now. You know, we care about animal welfare, we care about animal sentience. We don't want cows being stressed in intensive dairy conditions. You're right. There was a report recently that I came across about cows, and it was from Compassion in World Farming, uh, and how cows are kept in Italy for the majority production of the milk for parmesan uh, and the conditions are pretty awful yeah uh, and it's no real surprise because the dairy industry uh, is renowned for being kind of intense intensively farmed and within the system there's a high welfare and a low welfare so you get the uh, aop certified by the slow food movement that's the kind of top end of the scale. So you're championing the little guys, aren't you? Yeah. And more than that, you're saying that you can actually do it yourself. Well, you know, it's true. You can. There are some very simple ingredients. Uh, very few, really, if you think about it. Uh, milk being the main player. So you can make really simple fresh cheeses. You can make unrenated cheeses. You can make a cheese like paneer, which is just milk that's heated with some lemon juice. You know, it's a kind of cheese cook with that makes a really nice accompaniment to a to a curry and and build up your confidence you can make really good uh, soft cheeses really interesting blue cheeses you can take something like a really full fat yogurt sprinkle a little bit of salt into it drain it a yogurt cheese lovely. yeah lovely exactly right and you can put some really nice herbs on that you can roll it into balls you could submerge it in oil you can give it to somebody you really love as a Christmas present. And, you know, if you wanted to, you could take those little balls of yogurty cheese and impregnate the yogurt with a bit of Penicillium Rock 40i, okay, which is that blue mouldy 
uh, bloom that you see on cheeses, okay. right? And you don't even need to buy a sachet of it. You can take a bit of Stilton or blue cheese of your own that you've bought. You can let it sort of fur up on a piece of sourdough bread. After a couple of days, you drop it into some water, right? Yeah. And then the water that you've dropped that into has spores of the what forti in it. And you sieve that into the milk or the yogurt that you're making uh, for a blue cheese, and it's there. And you just needle it to get some air gaps in it. Little blue, mouldy bits of labna. Fun for all the family. It's, it's so easy. You know what? We do it with the kids. You know, I've got no authority in my house whatsoever, <laughs> Jilly, right? I've got three girls under the age of seven, right? And um, when we do things like making cheese, silence descends on the house. I think that's what got me into making cheese. <laughs> the quietness of the house. And you haven't poisoned any of them yet? No, well, no, 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 not deliberately. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In last week's Extra Portion, we heard why Jamie Oliver is still fighting the good food fight on and off screen. Here he talks about the platform Channel 4's Friday Night Feast gives him to make us really think about what we eat. Because we got promoted this year, we got 12 shows instead of 8. We've got 12 opportunities to talk about subjects. So this year, anything from more than 80% of all ducks sold in Britain have never sat on water, you know, because you think ducks would be on water. Well, no. And then from a welfare point of view and from a fitness and taste point of view, um, what do you need to know? You know, so from one extreme to the other, then a story about seaweed and, and this inc- one of the, mo- well, the most nutritious vegetable on the planet mm. is in abundance. None of them are poisonous and we don't use them. Mm. And it's, it used to be in our culture, but it's not anymore. Energy drinks, the problem, what's in it? Should kids be drinking it? Should be it legislated? What does it do to a kid's brain? You know, I think they're used like drugs. They're, they're consumed, bought, funded and thought of exactly the same as drugs. And that's not me. It's not my opinion. That is from getting out there and talking to large quantities of kids who are very, very honest about it. They've got nothing to hide. Um, the way they're consumed in the morning instead of breakfast, problem. The way they're topped up at lunchtime to keep going, problem. Mm. Even before bed, 
the relationship with the caffeine and that quantity of caffeine um, and your hormones and your sleep and your brain function um, the capacity for kids on energy drinks to disturb a class mm -hmm. so that largely now teachers have a plan A, B or C mm -hmm. for teaching in an hour based on if there's kids on energy drinks or not mm -hmm. it's a massive problem not just to the kid it's a cost to education I mean like you know there's when you talk to the new breed of passionate feisty wide-eyed teachers that are utterly passionate about having something to play in this cohort of young people becoming adults often like nurses or any of these incredible parts of our society you, you sort of think well in, your, in those four walls you can create like a little magical world where you have an opportunity to inspire or impart something onto these kids what are the forces outside that compromise your efforts and integrity and, and actually energy drinks are way up there you've been talking about the need to eat fish belly on Friday Night Feast why? well look, I think first of all if we were to sort of say, like, look, the food fight this year is things like energy drinks or cereals, I don't think you'd be surprised, but no. you'd be interested. I think fish billy would be like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? So the story there really is, is just around the concept, first and foremost, of waste. So when the most highly consumed fish in this country, uh, which is largely cod or salmon, where's the systematic waste for every fish? And that is then into sort of scaling, gutting, and then, of course, trim. And then sort of the way we look at it is like, oh, my God, there's like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tonnes of belly trimmed off every year. Because why? Oh, we like a little straight line on the end of our bit of salmon. Um, and then you go, OK, well, from a nutritional point of view, there's, there's more nutritional, you know, omega-3s and stuff in the belly than the actual core part of the uh, fillet. So, and, and definitely Brits could do a bit more of that. Um, and then it's just waste, so where does it go? Yeah. Who's wasting it, and how do you pay for that? Is it, that, is it landfill, is it pet food, this, that, and the other? Um, and then actually, most importantly, like, well, in Japan, toro, or the, the belly, I mean, everyone, think, everyone, well, a lot of people know that in Japan, the tuna belly, for instance, or the salmon belly, is the most prized part of the whole fish. Okay. They will grill it very quickly and have it pink and, and have little dips and gorgeous things happening, uh, make little patties, little balls, little steamed balls with noodles and, and broth. Um, um, but they celebrate it in a million ways, but most importantly, it's per kilo, it's the most expensive part of the whole animal. Right. So what's most expensive there, in one of the most healthy countries on the planet, uh, is a waste product here, which is one of the most unhealthy countries on the planet. So, of course, our narrative then is, well, did you know about it? No. Here's all the pros and the cons. Great, not many cons. Um, but then also, is this not an amazing opportunity to have an incredible value product? Whether it's doing fish fingers, which is very boring, but people love them. Um, or, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, making lovely fish cakes. People love fish cakes. Is there not a home for this premium product? Sometimes the simplicity can work. you just got to find the sort of way to tell those stories. And finally, we're in the delicious test kitchen, where it's always a hive of activity as the team tests up to 50 recipes a month. I caught up with cookery assistant Livy, who was busy testing a time-saving midweek recipe using a pack of ready-cooked rice. Yes, it costs more, but Livy shows how that bit of extra cost can be worth it in terms of the valuable time it saves on a busy night after work. Here I'm, I'm testing a recipe um, that's using 
a pack of steamed rice. Um, so the pouches that you can buy in the supermarkets that are already cooked. Um, there's a really good time-saving ingredient and we always try and look out for ways that we can use ingredients that will save people time in the kitchen, especially for midweek recipes where you maybe don't have hours and hours to slave over the stove. Why, why would you use this instead of... Um, doing the old way well there's nothing at all wrong with that and I think um, most of the time that's probably what most people would do but ingredients like this because they are so easy to use and so quick to use I feel like they can be really good time savers and life savers really when you haven't got that much time how much time are you actually saving by using a pouch well here I'm doing a stir fry recipe and the rice can just go in and it's ready in about five or ten minutes so instead of boiling the rice and then taking it out cooling it and then using it for the stir fry and then for things like this where I'm doing a fried rice it's actually better to use rice that has already been cooked and cooled and if it's like day old rice that you've already used and this is a really good way to use it up and the the quality of we're using Tilda in this instance their their, um, rice pouches basmati rice pouches and they're such good quality that what you actually get from a recipe like this is the end result is really really good and you don't need to go to the Thanks for listening to the Delicious Podcast. Next week, we've got more from that interview with the delicious Dawn French, and we'll also hear more from the hilarious Stephen Lamb on imposter syndrome and living at River Cottage. Do subscribe for free at deliciousmagazine.co.uk or wherever you find your podcasts so you never miss a bit. And here's a last message from Jamie. Happy New Year, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.